I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. The podcast. And I'm not Theo. I'm not Juliet. You're not. It's true. And you're probably glad. Um, Today, we're going to continue our Happy Halloween October Fest surprise. (laughs) Surprise! We're doing scary stories this month. We didn't realize it. It was all planned out. Um, (laughs) We meant to do it this way. Everything Um, we do is 100% scripted. Yes, absolutely. and uh, today, but let's before we talk about what we're going to talk about, let's talk about how your week has been, Theo. What's what's shaking? What's shaking, bacon? Um, what's shaking, bacon? Well, nothing, which is nice. I mean, those <laughs> are the great weeks, right? When it's like ho hum, nothing, nothing. And so uh, we have friends who are visiting us in town for ACL, but they're staying with us. So in uh-huh. between their ACL festivities, like. We go out for dinner, and it's nice, and it's fun, and it feels normal, and I'm kind of like, yeah, there's still COVID, but uh, whatever. I always thought Austin City Limits was like a, a venue, not an event. It's it's a it's an event, like it's South by event. Southwest? Yep. Uh, it's, um, oh. Yeah, so. I didn't realize that. Well, I don't know if it's an official, like, a lot of the uh, restaurants and stuff will have bands and music things, right? And I don't know if it's those are part of the ACL festival in the same way that those bands are part of South by, um, mm-hmm. but the, you know, there's just, it's a big party in the city really. Cool. Uh, so yeah. So ACL happens in Zilker park, uh, same area that South by happens in. And then restaurants just, you know, have music musicians, music, musicians. And you got to see Duran Duran. Oh, I totally blocked that out. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Thank you for reminding me. I used to love Duran Duran. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to say that, and I I cannot sing, right? So there is no criticism coming from me when I say Uh they were Uh fine. It was good. Uh They were fine live. They were good live. Um, But it was a lot like watching your drunk uncle's really, really, really good Duran Duran tribute band. Um, oh my God. He sounded just like Simon Le Bon, because um, <laughs> it was. Yeah. And uh, they did some new stuff and they had played a lot of their old stuff and mm-hmm. um, they were really into the crowd. And yeah, it was, it was all right. But, um, you know, the older rock stars and yeah, that's yeah. just what it was. Um, and the yeah, audience was a lot older too, you know? I know. It's like I go to shows now and everyone's my age, the shows that I go to, because they're the people that I know. And I would feel weird going to a Taylor Swift concert, although I might not mind going to one. I would feel weird, I think. I so would it's, be out of place. It's like, kind of okay that everybody in the audience for the shows that I go to are my own age, because I feel like, all right, we're all the same people. I mean, we're all the same age. We're, we're all cool here. Right. But, yeah. I mean, you know. But this was a lot of people. the cutting edge of music. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean... Yeah, 
Yeah, I'll I'll just say it wasn't wasn't my uh, way to spend an evening. I'm not really a Duran Duran fan, and watching a bunch of people jump up and down and dance in the aisles to Duran Duran songs, it's like, oh my god, you guys, don't relive your youth here in front of me. Um, so yeah, funny. I'm very happy about having gone. Um, yeah, it yeah. was fine. It was all right. So I would say if people get a chance, go. I'm not slamming Duran Duran. I just didn't love it myself. Okay, good. But we I have dragged sure James to... take too. down Duran Duran with one podcast. Oh, right. You've yeah, dragged... exactly. <laughs> They're You've over. dragged James to what? Oh, I've dragged James to uh, three Tori Amos concerts. So oh, I've got two more get backs. I've him. heard she's super good live. Oh, she's amazing. I, yeah. you know, but listen to me. I just slammed Duran Duran and now I'm all like, Tori Amos is amazing. <laughs> <Tori> Amos. <laughs> Anything I like is amazing. Um, I like Tori Amos. She puts on a really good show. I went, I saw her at the Hollywood Bowl once and uh, she was performing in mid set. Somebody somewhere in the neighborhood around the bowl was playing um, a piccolo, right? They were out on uh-huh. their balcony practicing and uh-huh. she stopped her. You could hear it, right? So yeah, she stopped yeah. playing and she was like, oh, listen to that sweet little piccolo. And it's like the whole crowd of 20,000 people is just quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And then you, you've got this somebody out there playing. So she picks up the tune that the uh-huh. piccolo is playing, right? And she's uh-huh. trying to engage them. And they stopped and she was really disappointed. She was like, that was beautiful. And I was like, this is the most special moment in my life. (laughs) Why the universe was created for this. This second, this moment of happiness. So yeah, I wish I had seen Tori Amos, but maybe one day, I don't know. She is good. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough about me. What's going on with you? Oh, that's enough about you. You just said, um, so nothing's going on with me. I've just been working this week. I don't think I've done a single thing since I got back from Monte Rio. Um, so nothing. Not just working for the man. Working for the man, trying to earn a dollar. A dollar. (laughs) (laughs) A nickel. A A nickel. The man doesn't pay a dollar. He's a bad home, man. I hear he does at Home Depot. I hear he pays twenty five dollars an hour. <laughs> Fifty dollars an hour. I'll, I'll be telling you. So that's all very exciting. And but but let's talk about um, this. Let's talk this about our apology this week. Yeah, apology. Yes, and we are talking about Skinwalkers and Skinwalker Skinwalkers rats. have become very trendy. It seems in the past few years. Um, yeah, and Skinwalker Ranch. Um, so uh, the thing that, that got us interested in this topic was a letter or a, a post to Reddit, right? And I'm going to let Theo talk about that post. Right. So, of course, our last two episodes were UFO episodes and uh, ATIP, which is a legitimate government um, program that was studying flying saucers uh, and written about in the New York Times in 2017. Um had a guy named Robert Bigelow who had purchased this ranch in Utah and the ranch kept coming up in our UFO research. And so it was like, Hmm, I'd like to know a little bit more about this skinwalker ranch. So we looked for a skinwalker apology and my God, we found one. So (laughs) thank you, Reddit. How do you apologize to a skinwalker? And I will read. I know, I know. What the fuck? Here's a story. A few years ago, five or six, I guess, 
I was hiking in the backcountry of Capitol Reef National Park. I came on this place, a hollowed-out depression with carvings on the wall. I, being stupid, went in to look at it, at what I thought were petroglyphs, but were just strange clawed markings. Not cougar or any of the wild canines in the area. I know those. These were deep in the sandstone. I had the creepiest damn feeling. So I quietly walked back out. I saw dot, 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 a thing, dot, 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 <laughs> crouched, crouched on the overhang. It was angry. It followed me all the way back to the road and my car, keeping its distance, but always letting me know it was there. I'm here. I'm back here. <laughs> I asked the Anasazi Museum in Boulder what it could have been, and the native woman running the interpretation center pointed to a book for sale about Skinwalker Ranch. She refused to talk about it further. So here's my dilemma. I want to apologize for enter entering its territory and possibly its home. How the hell do I do that? I'm going back there this weekend, and I'd rather not piss it off further. White sage, cedar, fresh meat? Seriously, I don't know why it didn't attack me. Taoist priest magic, maybe. Whole other story. But I want to apologize for my rudeness and indiscretion. Period. So, I want to know um, what this Taoist priest magic stuff is. But well, we you're in luck, because I, I, I Googled oh, it. Oh, you, you looked into it? Oh, good. Well, I didn't. I meant to, but I didn't. So thank God. Thank you. When your IQ is slipping because of the research <laughs> that you were doing, and you just find yourself getting dumber and dumber and dumber, and the uh -huh. rabbit holes get deeper and deeper and deeper. Yes. Oh, so fun. Yes. So Taoist, <laughs> I love it. Taoist magic, um, you know, just uh, the art of Tao, you know, Taoism. Yeah. Right. And so I didn't research it a lot because I start I started reading it and it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you can have runes with markings on it. And it's all that whole thing of like, what is the sound oh. of one hand clapping? It is the sound huh. of your soul. Huh. So, yeah. Um, cool. OK. Yeah. So anyway. So so what is the skinwalker, Theo? What is a skinwalker? A skinwalker legitimately is a uh, creature in Navajo uh, folklore. And in the Navajo language, it is pronounced... I'm going to do my best here, everybody. Good luck. Thank you. Yi Naldulushi. And I know I slaughtered that, so we're just going to call it the Yi moving forward. <laughs> so the Yi translates to... By means of it, it goes on all fours. The Yi is one of several varieties of skinwalker in Navajo culture. Specifically, they are a type of anti-Janihi. Okay? Navajo witches, including skinwalkers, represent the antithesis of Navajo cultural values. While community healers and cultural workers are known as medicine men and women, or by other positive nurturing terms, Witches are seen as evil, performing twisted ceremonies and manipulating magic and a perversion of the good works medicine people traditionally perform. In order to practice their good works, traditional healers learn about both good and evil magic. Most can handle the responsibility, but some people just get corrupted. Um, and then the legend of a skinwalker is not well understood outside of Navajo culture, mostly due to reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders. One uh, Navajo activist explains... What happens is we as native people are now opened up to a barrage of questions about these beliefs and traditions, but these are not things that need or should be discussed with outsiders, um, probably ever. 
and then goes on to say, I'm sorry if that feels unfair, but that's how our culture survives. So that's essentially it. It's a custom that talking about wicked creatures is not just bad luck, but it makes their appearance more likely. So they don't talk about it. What's one reason they don't talk about it with strangers or or even among themselves that much? Oh, sure. That makes sense. Laws of attraction. Sure. Um, and other tribes have their own version of the skinwalker. The Pueblo people, the Apache, and the Hopi each have their own unique interpretation of what a skinwalker might be. Some customs believe that skinwalkers are produced when a medicine man abuses magic for evil, as you mentioned. Um, in other traditions, uh, a person can become a skinwalker if they um, do any kind of deep-seated taboo. And the descriptions of the skinwalker are usually the same, a four-legged animal with a disturbingly human, albeit marred face and orange-red gleaming eyes. Uh, most of scary. The, scary, totally. Most of the tales of the sightings of these witches do not include death or injury, but are more trickster-like. A number of people have told stories about animals running alongside their vehicles, matching their speed before running off into the wilderness. Along the way, these animals sometimes turn into a man who sometimes bangs on the hood of the vehicle. So that would scare the crap out of me if I saw like an animal that turned into a man running alongside my car that then banged on the hood of my car. And make you angry because it could hurt your car. I'm sending you a bill. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I just paid my insurance for this month. That reminds me, I need to get my car washed. But anyway. So southeast of Ballard, Utah, is a property called Skinwalker Ranch, which has also been known as Sherman Ranch. Uh, It's located near the Ute Indian Reservation, and some believe that the Navajo put a curse on their tribe in retribution for betraying them during the Civil War. And since then, the Skinwalkers have plagued the Ute people. I don't know if you have any more about that, but uh, the Ute believe... Go ahead. Yeah, I do a little bit. So um, it's kind of like, oh, how did the Skinwalker get there, right? And I've... I've found two different threads on the internet. And so, you know, believe it or not, the internet doesn't agree with itself. So one of those is that the skinwalkers have just always been there, that that is an area where there's a portal and the skinwalkers come through it. But if they're Navajo witches, why is there a portal from another world where the skinwalkers come? I don't know. Wouldn't they be creatures of this world? Okay, but fine. Uh, And then the other one is that uh, the... Utes, who were a neighboring tribe who actually inhabited the region where Skinwalker Ranch is, so that was Ute territory. The Utes and the Navajo didn't have a great relationship. They were trading partners, but they fought and they took each other as slaves. And, you know, it was an acrimonious relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Utes, in order to get rid of their troublesome Navajo neighbors, worked with a... Um, they called him an Indian agent named Kit Carson, who's a famous frontiersman. And Kit Carson, with cooperation of the Utes, kind of uh, forced the Navajo to relocate. And uh, supposedly the Navajo cursed the Ute land for this uh, betrayal, so right? Um, we're basically sending them probably to a concentration camp. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they didn't go somewhere good, so I can understand why they were pissed off. But then at the same time, it's like, when you guys were killing other (laughs) people and you were bad neighbors, so what did you think was going to happen? But anyway, so yeah, so the the land is cursed Indian land, cursed by Indians who were betrayed by other Indians. So already it feels pretty bad. 
Right. And the Ute people obviously avoid going to Skinwalker Ranch. Um, the um, Interestingly, though, the ancient rock art of the tribes of the region have depicted strange animal-human hybrid creatures since well before the Civil War. Uh, and it was actually 1776 when the first account of anything strange occurring on Skinwalker Ranch was recorded. Um, a guy whose name I won't pronounce, a French, French missionary, wrote about strange fireballs that were seen overhead. So, so it's kind of been a weird place for a while. Um, over 200 years after that, in 1994, the then-owner Terry Sherman told a story in which he saw something approaching his cattle in their pen. He ran toward it to find a wolf three times the size of a normal wolf, attacking a calf and biting its head. Sherman shot the giant creature three times at point-blank range. It didn't even flinch. It just slowly turned its head and stared at him. Then it calmly turned and walked away. And it left a stench like rotting flesh in the air, according to Terry and his wife, Gwen. And I'm sorry, but if I was Terry Sherman, that would be the day that I would move. Yeah. Um, he didn't keep the ranch that much longer, but I would totally have been interested in booking it and staying in a hotel from then on. For the rest of my life. <laughs> For the rest of my life. <laughs> in, in the middle of a city somewhere where there are no cattle or anything like wolves. Um Additional claims about the ranch appeared in the 90s in the Salt Lake City, Utah Deseret News and later in the alternative weekly Las Vegas Mercury as a series of articles by investigative journalist George Knapp. These early stories detail the claims of the Sherman family's experiences of inexplicable and frightening events since purchasing and occupying the property. In 1996, the Deseret News reported that for more than a year now, Terry and Gwen Sherman's 480-acre ranch just south of Fort Duchesne in Uinta County have, has been a hotbed for UFOs and bizarre paranormal activity, weirdness that even the Shermans, who've witnessed the strange happenings with their own eyes and video camera, have trouble accepting as reality. For a long time, we wondered what we were seeing, if it was something to do with a top-secret project, said Terry Sherman, who reluctantly agreed to speak publicly about the activity. I don't really know what to think about it. So I want to talk about what they saw. They saw, reportedly, um, Sherman and their two children saw three specific types of UFOs repeatedly. One was a small box-like craft with a white light. One was a 40-foot-long object. And the other was a huge ship the size of several football fields. They've seen one of these crafts emit a wavy red ray or light beam. And they've seen other airborne lights, some of which seem to have emerged from orange circular doorways that seem to appear in midair. And they videotaped two of the sightings. I haven't looked for those videos. Did you? I did not look for those videos. Yeah, um, I just didn't want to see it. I don't care. Which I mean, is, it's interesting. Isn't that crazy? Because, hey, it's a portal <laughs> with a UFO coming out of it. And you didn't it's want to see it. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, like a spell that the UFOs have cast on us to decrease our curiosity so we don't uh, get too Ooh, involved and try to stop them. You are so good. That's exactly what it is. I'm sure it is. So the Shermans also reported seeing flattened grass circles, hearing voices, and cattle mutilations. Uh, Sherman pointed out in a 1996 interview with Desert News, the cattle mutilations always came after UFO sightings, and he believed the two were linked. He said, we've seen the UFOs enough, and we know pretty much what the craft looked like, and I think it's definitely associated with the cattle mutilations. When we see the craft and then the cattle, we have problems. So sometime after that, not too long after that, in 1996, he sold the ranch to 
Las Vegas billionaire and Bigelow Aerospace founder Robert Bigelow. Now, this Robert Bigelow is an interesting guy. Go ahead. You were gonna yeah, say he's our friend because uh, he just keeps <laughs> coming up and up and up. If you everywhere, if you type the word UFO, Robert Bigelow is going to appear behind your shoulder and say hi. Yes. Um, and he, as I mentioned, is the founder of Bigelow Aerospace, which is an American space technology startup company, which manufactures and develops what they call expandable space station modules, which are really inflatable space station modules. So I, I looked at that and I thought, that's, that's kooky. <laughs> inflatable space station? Well, but I mean, it seems sure. Like it's not really so kooky. I mean, the government's paying them lots and lots and lots of money to develop these, and so yes. there may be some there there. And, you know, as as with all research and development, maybe the inflatable dwellings don't lead to anything, but maybe something in the process that creates them leads right. to a something else, right? Something so, else, right. Yeah. Well, he's we'll not only funded by the government, houses. but interestingly, he is funded in large part by the money he got from his ownership of the hotel chain Budget Suites of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, just, that's a little it problematic. It strikes me there. as hilarious. It's um, yeah. Uh, the budget suites for those who may not know are short-term rentals. You can rent a place for a week or a month, and they uh, they really focus their their marketing on uh, transient people. Yeah, yeah. So so interesting. Um, as the uh, the company Bigelow Aerospace laid off a bunch of people in 2020 due to the pandemic. And um, Robert Bigelow later suggested that the pandemic was the, the last straw, so to speak. And he didn't think that he would ever really uh, open the plant or, or be running the company in the future. So that's that's bad news for, for Bigelow Aerospace. But um, while he owned the ranch, the ranch was the subject of a defense intelligence agency study known as the Advanced Aerospace Weapons Systems Application Program, or OSAP, which later became... A tip, and we remember A tip from our previous episodes where uh, we talked about UFOs and other similar um, research programs. Um, so that the stuff just keeps coming back up, which is really really weird. Um, and a defense intelligence agency official visited the the ranch owned by Bigelow and met with Harry Reid of Nevada. Um, after that, so Harry Reid keeps popping up too in these stories, which is interesting. Um, he's very obviously has a great interest in uh, UFOs or and, U, UAPs or whatever they call them now. Well, UAPs uh, because the the different terminology allows military personnel to report UAPs without the stigma of reporting a UFO, right? So there's the language change. And then Reed and Bigelow are personal friends. So uh, not a surprise. And what's interesting in that is that Robert Bigelow is a Trumpian conservative. Uh. He is a pro-Trump Republican. Uh, which was surprising to me, but then sort of not surprising to me. That he's friends with me. Harry Reid? Well, that he's friends with Harry Reid, so obviously it's, uh, you know, it's a mutually beneficial um, relationship in that they can both indulge their UFO passions, right? Yeah. Bigelow can yeah. fund them, and Reid can clear the decks of some of the red tape and paperwork. Yep. 
Yep, and in fact, um, Mr. Reed said he met with the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency officials shortly after his meeting with Mr. Bigelow and learned that they wanted to start a research program on UFOs. So Bigelow was given a government contract and his company received $22 million, which is most of the ATIP money, to study and generate reports on exotic science, UFOs, and other anomalous phenomena. Unfortunately, uh, ATIP was canceled, or OSAP was canceled after two years, and in 2011, the government funding ran out. So we don't know what has happened or what happened with that research. Um, we don't know what, nothing has, very little has been made public. Um, there is a story that one night in March 1997, a scientist looked up into a tree to see a large humanoid figure with yellow eyes watching the research team. He shot at it and it disappeared, but Kelleher spotted a strange print that looks like, looked like a giant raptor footprint in the snow under the tree. Scary. That's the, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to... Um... Drain? Is that a good word to use? Um, sure. I don't want to drain all the fun out of this, right? Because it's getting close to Halloween and it's, you know, time to indulge the the fantastic. And so, Great. cool. And what do I really know? I mean, maybe the place is a interdimensional a liminal of, space. Yeah, yeah a, hotbed of par- a hotbed of paranormal activity. <laughs> so sexy. Ghosty. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so dumb. Um, it could but be. Then what I are you guys... can't. It's dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. What are you guys doing for Halloween, though? Um, I am going to follow my um, traditional Halloween routine of buying $42 worth of Halloween candy and eating it. Yum. While I <laughs> sit in the dark and pretend I'm not doing that. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, hands down, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I don't even have to think about it. Absolutely. It's the only Absolutely. Halloween candy. No shit. Absolutely. Um, I'm so glad that you gave the right answer. <laughs> There's only one answer. We can still be friends. <laughs> oh, really? The stickers are pretty good. What if I said sweet tarts or something gross like oh, that? Oh, God. I'd be like, what are those things? Necco wafers. <laughs> My mother-in-law used no. to love uh, the Halloween pumpkins. The I hate to call them mellow cream, but you know what I mean? Oh, like the Brock's. Yeah. Yeah. She loved them. When the minute they came out, I would have to send them over to Scotland by FedEx. And I once spent $200 sending her those Halloween. I paid $4 for the candy. <laughs> for the wafers. And, and I spent $200, 200 to get, I think it was like 175 Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what is really good though, speaking of Scotland. <laughs> no, please. Oh, no, I can't remember the name. But we, we went with my mother, um, Brent and I went with my mother to Edinburgh one time and we rented like an Airbnb and it was really cool. It was a great place. Um, but the, the dude there left us these, um, oh God, what are they called? He left us like 20 of these little puffy marshmallow things covered in chocolate. Oh, uh, uh, not TikToks, not Tim Tams, not. Um... Yeah, I know exactly what they are. They're tea cakes. They're something, something tea yes, cakes. Yes, yeah. they are. They're something tea cakes. And uh, he left us like 20 of them. And I, I got into the Airbnb from getting off the plane, get, uh-huh. driving out there. So they get in the Airbnb. I see these things. I try one. I eat 20 of them. <laughs> oh, well, you'll I be instantly. They were so good. <laughs> thrilled to know that uh, uh, I'm blanking world market sells them they do they do yeah. oh now wonderful. they're really old because i've bought a couple of oh. them when may came over tonics uh, that's it tonics yeah um yeah and uh yeah and they were it was like daily can of chocolate i mean you know oh. still ate them but that's yeah. all right i'll try it i'll try that you could probably I'll get, get them on amazon maybe a little fresher i don't know 
Um, Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, you know, though, so many people are screaming right now. <laughs> you had us halfway through. <laughs> Theo was just getting ready to like debunk, debunk, debunk. But, you know, we do, we should like honor the, the scary aspect of, of Skinwalker Ranch. But then at the same time, there's so many uh, TV shows about it and podcasts yeah. about it and, and, yeah. So it's, if you want a good Halloween scare, it's, well, it's hugely popular, right? And that's not accidental um, because duh, right? And so um, should we keep going on the scary and the fun before I yeah, deflate the party balloon? Um, well, or we can talk I about... deflate the sex doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can talk about <laughs> I didn't get oh my, my turn. <laughs> Gross. Gross. <laughs> All right. All That's right. enough. Grow we can up. talk about Bigelow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bigelow sold Skinwalker Ranch. Now I don't know why he sold Skinwalker Ranch. He he. Bought, I guess because I they run out of money. Why? Well, so I don't know, know why, but... Yeah. Um, okay, so what happens? Uh, the Shermans buy this ranch, and the ranch had yeah. been held by the same family for nearly 40 Forever. years. Right? Yeah. Um, and the people that uh, lived it and worked it, the family members that owned it, died and left it to the remaining brother and sister. And that brother and sister um, in 1994 sold it to Terry and Gwen Sherman, who mm-hmm. were ranching people? Terry knew ranching, and and he wanted to like, um, I don't want to say experiment, but you know, he wanted to like increase his his cattle. And I guess what to yeah. do with a ranch? Sure. Jesus, what do I know sure. about ranching? But so you know, he was <laughs> so he got this ranch with the idea of growing a business, essentially. Yes, and I see. then it got scary, and it got yeah. weird, and they yeah. didn't love it. And uh, their cattle were dying because they were being mutilated and, by UFOs. And so uh, they they uh, had an interview. This mm-hmm. is where we're just going to debunk. Sorry, everybody. So they had an interview with uh, a local newspaper. And in that, they tell their story, right? And part of that uh, same article, Juliet read. And so... That article, which was published on June 30th, 1996, was written by a guy named Zach Van Eek, or Ike. Sorry, Zach, if I'm mispronouncing your name. And in the article, they detail like, oh, my God, all these horrible things happen. And we've lost so many heads of cattle. Like they lost seven um, adult cattle and a couple of calves. And for those of you who don't know, I didn't know, um, a cow cost a couple thousand bucks. So when yeah. you lose seven of them, there's like $21,000 yeah. out, you know, gone. And so, uh, so they had this interview with the local paper and it wasn't weird. I want to, I don't want to paint the Shermans in an uncharitable light. So it wasn't weird that people were reporting strange uh, incidents around Skinwalker Ranch because the whole basin is just sort of known as like, Ooky spooky. I can't believe I said mm-hmm. that, but I did. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, so much so in the same article, uh, there's a guy who is the local historian, basically, whose name is Junior Hicks. And 
Let me make sure. Sorry, everybody. I am scrolling as I speak. Yes, it is Junior Hicks. Okay. And so I'll pick up from the article. Uh, junior Hicks, a retired junior high school teacher from Roosevelt, has investigated more than 400 UFO sightings in the Valley. So loads of people have been seeing and reporting stuff. Um, and I'm going to share a story with you that Junior Hicks shared with okay. Zach, our writer. This will all tie together, taking you on a long journey. Okay. Okay, so Junior reported this um, that businessman Paul Peterson agreed to speak publicly for the first time at about an event that he says occurred in 1964. Mm. As Penderson was leaving a neighbor's home early one morning, he noticed a huge oval-shaped craft in the sky above him. And then uh, Mr. Peterson says, It drifted over and down and then hovered above the driveway. As it stood still, people inside came to the portholes and looked out at me. That kind of unnerved me because it was so dark. I knew I couldn't be seen by human eyes. They looked just like people. They were silhouetted, uh, silhouetted against this green light in the background. Peterson then received a telepathic message. I almost said telegraphic, which would not be mysterious, <laughs> but <a> telepathic <laughs> message from the beings. They asked if he'd like to come with them. It was one individual's voice, Peterson said. I didn't say anything, but answered by thinking. My thought was that I can't leave. I have a wife and two children who depend on me. Their response was, that's okay. And the craft just hovered up above the trees and went over the mountain behind me. And I love this idea of like these aliens being like, hey, you want to come with us? Oh, I can't. I've got kids. Oh, all right. Bye-bye. Thanks anyway. It is cute. Thanks anyway. Yeah. Um, Okay. So... Cool. So we hear the Peterson story. And again, I share all that to say, like, the Shermans weren't the only people reporting weird stuff, right? So not like, oh, the Shermans are crazy. But in this article written by Zach, the next line after the Peterson story reads, the Shermans ranch would be paradise if they were UFO researchers, but strange lights in the sky weren't what the couple was looking for when they bought the ranch two years ago. Okay. So it's interesting to me that this line in this article, the Sherman's Ranch would be paradise if they were UFO researchers. And then what happens? Well, a couple of weeks later, the Shermans sell their ranch for $200,000. They say they took a a hit, right? To a UFO researcher. That's true. Wow, that's strange and crazy, but okay. Coincidental, sure. But then guess what? But well, Zach is a screenwriter. Is he? He is a screenwriter. He he has a couple of movies out. Really? And he's written a couple of books. So he's a, oh my gosh. you know, I'll say he's a legitimate writer, but I mean, but he's a screenwriter. <laughs> okay. Wow. wow, that's cool. Okay, so you're a screenwriter. Um and let's see here. He is a film and television writer, director and producer. His features include the indie darling Jupiter Landing in 2005, the award-winning film Daytona Dream in 2010, and the romantic comedy, um, blah, blah, blah. He's also an astrologer and a founding member of the punk rock tribute band Ramones Alive. So, all right. God, wow. I know, right? He's a renaissance man. It's this thing that he's a screenwriter. And then also, as I was researching Skinwalker Ranch, I was like, this feels like a familiar story to me. Uh-huh. Why Why is there something about cursed Indian land and a family that just bought a place, but then leaves right away? Or, I mean, I'm 
essentially right away. It's 18 months later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Oh, the Amityville Horror. Oh, the Amityville Horror. Of course. And right? Poltergeist. Well, and Poltergeist. But, oh, I wonder when Poltergeist came out. But the Amityville Horror, um, and that's horror, everybody. Yes. Not horror. It's not horror. It's not the, <laughs> the horror of Amityville. Um, anyway, now I'm laughing at my own dumb joke. Um, <laughs> so that was turning 20 years old. And I just wonder if somebody who's a screenwriter and the fact that, oh, there's this 20-year, you know, uh, celebration. Gap. It wasn't really a celebration, oh, but anniversary. anniversary. That's the word I'm looking for. You remember the 20-year yeah. celebration of the Amityville Horror Movie? <laughs> the whole country shut down and it was a party in the streets. No, but okay. So mm, I don't know. I, I've, I'm going to call foul. I'm going to call... Uh, some bullshit. And I'm also going to say that the family that lived there for 40 years never yeah. once reported, reported anything. anything. And I don't mean reported to the police. I mean, even to the neighbors. So um, a book was written by a guy named Dr. Frank Salisbury entitled The Utah UFO Display. And it uh, came out in 1974, but it was updated in 2010. And um, I'm going to read a part of this. Um, so Terry Sherman's claims, um, apparently have been extra color was added to them by some people who are retelling the Sherman story. Right. And, um, let's see here. Sorry. This is from a magazine article. It's not from Salisbury book. I just want to make it clear what I'm reading. Um, mm -hmm. okay. So it appears that the previous occupants, Kenneth and Edith Myers, the people that originally owned the ranch, the Sherman's bought had bought the property around 1933, starting with about 160 acres and then increasing the holdings, buying further parcels of land. Dr. Garth Myers, who was the surviving brother, a former pediatric neurologist, told Salisbury that his brother Kenneth, who was the rancher on the ranch, died in 1987, and his wife, uh, yikes, whose name I don't have, was on the ranch until 1992. She died in 94, and then the uh, family sold it to the Shermans. Garth Myers told Salisbury that he'd been very close to his brother and his sister-in-law, and that there was nothing, unequivocally, absolutely nothing that went on while they lived at that ranch. He also had worked there as a teenager for three summers, and he never saw any UFOs. Um, so it started to feel like a story that was cooked up to me. Yeah, I, I wonder what the Shermans thought they would get out of it. Well, um, they had the, lost seven cows, so yeah. they lost some money. And I think what they got out of it was they just wanted to get out of there. They got out. They got out of. They bought a different ranch, twenty twenty hours away. No, twenty, 20 miles away. away. Right. Oh, I see. And. Um, while they, sorry, my dog does not respect our podcast time at all. <laughs> so while, um, uh, so while they moved because they were scared, uh, -huh. uh they did stay on as caretakers. And oh, so, really? yeah. So, um, so Bigelow, our billionaire friend buys this ranch and he buys it for $200,000. I don't know how much the Sherman's paid for it. Um, right. but they say they lost money, but the re and that they also say the Shermans that 
Other people wanted to buy the ranch, but they didn't feel comfortable selling it to other people because they didn't want that bad karma following them of like, oh, uh-huh. we sold you cursed property. And so right. they sold it to somebody that coincidentally happened to be a UFO researcher in a I news see. article that said, hey, it wouldn't be great if a UFO researcher bought this. Right. But, um, okay, so so they get 200000 but then also in the deal is they get paid to be caretakers. Well, if okay. you're scared. Yeah, of, why would you want to stay on the property? Why? Right. So, I'm not buying it. I want to. Like, I want yeah. to believe. I want this stuff to be true. Right. And it's not. Yeah, it's not. But it makes me sad. <laughs> so then Bigelow was there for a while, and then he sold Skinwalker Ranch. Do we know why he sold Skinwalker Ranch? I don't know why, um, but I do know that his um, he has shifted his attention. So uh-huh. uh, Bigelow got into interested in flying saucers because his grandparents saw a flying saucer. It uh, came at their car, and uh, they lost some time. And I see. so he had a personal interest because of his. And they wouldn't talk like your dad. They wouldn't talk about what they saw, but just that we saw a thing. And yeah. we don't know what happened after that. And then right. here we are, right? Cool. Okay. So um, so he was all into UFOs, but then unfortunately, uh, he and his wife lost um, their son. And oh. their attention shifted oh, from flying saucers did. to yes. life after death. And this is right. an understandable transition, right? Um, sure. sure. And so... Sure. So they are now putting their focus. This is our breaking news. Um, yeah. Into let's try and prove there's life after death. And so they're they held a contest this year. They announced it in January of 2021, and they are going to announce the results on November 1st, which is only going to be like two weeks away. Couple weeks away. So everybody, look at your newsfeed and look for Bigelow, and he has. Uh, he's donating, not donating, he's awarding a million bucks to anybody who can prove life after death. And I'm like, right. if I can prove life after death, I want more than a million dollars. <laughs> I want all the money. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And a religion yeah, founded, founded after me. He founded the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies to for research on the survival of human consciousness after physical death. And that's why one reason he... Um, sponsor this essay contest that they're announcing the winners of on November 1st and a million dollars. So yeah, so he sold Skidwalker Ranch in 2016 for a a hefty $4.5 million. No. Oh, guess what? There's some misinformation out there. So I I saw that same figure, right? And I was like, well, that's a hell of a return. Uh, 4.5 million on a $200,000 investment. Good for you. Um, but it turns out uh, it was 500000 according oh, really? to the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. So the New York Times had said uh, at one point $4.5 million, and then they issued a correction. This is 500 acres. This is 2016. How could it have been $500,000? It's like nothing. They sold it for uh, uh, 200000 in the 90s, and so not that many people want it. It's in the middle of nowhere in a desert. and I guess. I, I mean— you know, there are places people I'd don't want to live. Five hundred thousand dollars. That's true. There are um, there are some places that are pretty. So we'll say remote. I I have seen that that five million dollar four point five million right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, 
but I also did. So we'll just say like conflicting information. So the New York okay. Times says yeah, maybe it's 500,000. Right. But either way. All right. So he sold the um, Bigelow sold the ranch to Adamantium Holdings, which is a shell corporation. And nobody knew until relatively recently who owned that shell corporation. It turned out to be a dude named Brandon Fugel, who is a Utah real estate tycoon and some sort of um, investment advisor or something. Um he uh, blocked all the roads leading to the ranch and guarded or secured the perimeter, um, put cameras up and barbed wire and signs saying, don't do not approach. Um, and in 2021, this dude named Post Malone, who I understand is a famous music artist. Do you know about him? I've heard his him. name. I have no idea. I just know like, He's, oh, that's a name I've heard because it's unusual. Post Malone. Yeah. Post Malone. He visited Skinwalker Ranch, uh, and as part of his visit, Brandon Fugel told um, KUTV that Skinwalker Ranch was the most scientifically studied paranormal hotspot in the world. So, um, as part of that scientifically studying the paranormal hotspot, um, Brandon Fugel is in History Channel's series, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And last month, Brandon Fugel joined with a small group of scientists and fellow investors trying to resurrect. The Woolly Mammoth. Which is a fun summer project. I mean, <laughs> what could go wrong bringing back I mean, a creature that went extinct? What the hell? So this effort that to, to resurrect the Woolly Mammoth is led by George Church, who's a genetics professor at MIT and Harvard, and who's the guy who initiated the Human Genome Project in 1984. So he's, I mean... Okay, he's a yeah, legitimate scientist. it's a real scientist. project. I mean, yeah, he's a legitimate scientist. scientist. It's a real project. But, I mean, you have people who are legitimate scientists doing some crazy-ass shit. So I think this is an example of crazy-ass shit being done by a legitimate, sci- legitimate scientist. It's all going to um, end badly. It's got to. Um, Fugel hasn't given up on Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, two days ago, his Instagram posted a picture of surveillance cameras saying, Skinwalker Ranch dramatically expands surveillance platform in partnership with world-class security surveillance leader LiveView Technologies. So he's still obviously interested in Skinwalker Ranch, but um, I guess he's making a lot of money off of his History Channel series. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the whole thing, right? I'm waiting for, and I'm going to predict it here, Tom DeLong to buy Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, it's going to happen. The whole thing is set up as an entertainment uh, fr- franchise, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's got a great fun story to it uh, that I've heard before called Amityville Horror, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that nice little twist in it of oh, it's Native American lore and UFOs. Ooh, right? Ooh, like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Two great things that go together. <laughs> Yeah. So I love UFO stories. Um, I Me picked too. up some information on UFOs as I was doing research for Skinwalker Ranch. And I heard that. So this is interesting. There's this guy called Anthony Bragalia who reported that he submitted a, a FOIA request for information and got back 154 pages from the Defense Intelligence Agency admitting to testing wreckage gathered from UFO crashes. And I've just got to say, right, let's where. Where is this information? Where are these pages? That would be earth-shaking news, right? Well, supposedly this news, this newspaper saw it. I don't know. They didn't re- reproduce any of it, though. This is um, why I I love it I and know, I hate it. I know, I know. Where hey, guys, I have an alien in my closet, but you can't see it. <laughs> 
there's um, some of the stuff in the 154 pages of, of information that the Defense Intelligence Agency released was about a mysterious memory metal called nitinol. Okay. Which, if if you it's it's this it's just a, it's just metal, and then you can take it and you can scrunch it up and fold it up and make weird shapes out of it, and then like if you heat it up after that, it returns to its original shape. Well, and I've heard that uh, similar sort of a thing with the Roswell crash. So that was one of the exactly. things about the metal there. Exactly. So that was very similar to the memory metal found near the Roswell, New Mexico UFO crash site of 1947. Um, however, I looked up nitinol, and Wikipedia reports that the term nitinol is derived from its composition and its place of discovery. It's called Nickel Titanium Naval Ordnance Laboratory. So some dudes discovered it during research at the Naval Ordnance Laboratory in 1959. And of course, you can say that wasn't really research; that was just discoveries. They were looking; they were doing research on UFOs, right? That's how they discovered. It. They didn't make this stuff up themselves, but I don't know. I don't well, know. I think it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And uh, I realized something last week that I didn't highlight. So remember when we were talking about um, Kenneth Arnold, the guy that first saw nine uh, saucer-shaped yeah. desks, right? And then the guy that took a photograph of a flying saucer and it was like the first flying saucer photograph uh-huh. right uh-huh. and uh, it was published in a newspaper and that was published the same day that they released the Roswell news so in 47 oh. right so two newspapers uh I forget one was in Utah and one's in New Mexico or whatever right so the Utah newspaper uh, released the thing that was like oh here's a picture of a flying saucer first flying saucer ever which should have been giant news, but another newspaper in New Mexico released a headline that was like, military captures flying disc, which is bigger news, right? Wow. Well, I never pieced together that Roswell happened only a couple of weeks after the first UFO sighting. Really? I just always thought like Roswell was like the separate incident that, of course it was, that happened like well, well, well after Kenneth huh. Arnold saw, sp- spotted a flying saucer. It's hard for me to say things with a lot of S's in them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, cool, interesting. Okay. Interesting um, is right. Yeah, it's all interesting. Um, and it also all isn't real, and I, <laughs> I want it to be. I know, I know. Did we talk about the the um, the new task force that the Pentagon said they were setting up uh, to investigate UFO sightings? The, the UAPTF, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. No, I don't think. I don't so. remember if we did or not. But so so there's they said last August that they're setting up this new task force under the Navy to study UFO sightings, and they're hoping to improve the understanding of and gain insight into the nature and origins of UAPs. Although they're really, uh, they're looking into UAPs of terrestrial origin, not extraterrestrial. So they things can, like maybe China or whatever. Sure. Look at them anyway, yeah. right? Find out, find yeah. out what they are. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's all I've got. I think it's, fascinating i think these guys it's it's interesting to watch these rich dudes um pursue their hobbies well so that's it exactly right it's like okay uh what's his name went off into space and the other what's his name went off into space and then a third what's his name went off into space but then we've got (laughs) these two other guys that are like one guy is looking at flying saucers that's the guy from adamantium um folger or whatever his name is and then uh the other guy is robert bigelow 
who, um, if the New York Times is right, will be publishing something on November 1st talking about um, life after Consciousness, death. Consciousness, yeah, after death. Yeah. Just amazing. So, If I had a lot of money, I don't know that I would spend it on any of these things. I think I would probably spend it on the poor or something like that. Something boring like that. Oh, but, that's boring. I mean, no. Maybe good things can come out of all this research. Ooh, I don't know. You could do something with the poor and flying saucers. Poor people and flying saucers? Yeah. Like, you know, okay. how, I don't know. I'm trying to make a joke have, about poor people and have, I'm realizing that's not funny. No, have poor people build flying saucers. Give them jobs. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> See? All right. You are a giver and you give. I do. I give and I give. Um, I wouldn't. So, I would spend it all on me. <laughs> There's only so many islands you can buy, Theo. I would buy Versailles. Oh, that would be fun. I would buy wouldn't Versailles and I'd rename it. <laughs> Theo. Theo. <Theo-land. laughs> <laughs> all right. So back to our original pseudo Back to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this guy who's going back to this ranch, or not this ranch, but not Bears Ears, which... which uh, Crow Hollow, what was the name of it? Um, Capitol Reef, of course. He's going to Capitol Reef, which is like 200 miles from from Skinwalker Ranch, but it's in the same state, so okay, points for that. Um, he he wants to know what he can do to apologize for going into potential oh, Skinwalker of course. territory. Yeah, the whole problem, what started this, yeah. the apology. So, what do we rate this this apology? What do you think? <sighs> I mean, it feels real attention seeking to me. Um, yeah. It really does. Like, oh, I just have to mention Taoist priest magic. That's like, right. Have to I'm a superstar in, right. in the Buddhist world. And did this happen? A lot of elements of story in it. But, okay, let's say it did happen. And mm-hmm. let's say he legitimately is asking this question because he would like to make amends for having trespassed onto sacred land or to some being's home. Cool. Um Mm. I have four to a five. I guess that would be a 4.5. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trusting it. It feels real fake to me, like all of us. I hate to say that. I'm the biggest chicken on the planet. I, you know, get scared by commercials. But, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't spend the night on Skinwalker Ranch in case it's all true, but I don't believe in it. Case. Yeah. I would it, totally spend the night on Skinwalker Ranch, God, but not you'd in a. get eaten not alive a by a Skinwalker. I want to be in a house with luxury furnishings. Then I'll spend the night there. <laughs> so, okay. So the apology, I give it a zero for not being an apology, but I also give it a 10 for not annoying the skinwalker with an apology. Okay. Because you'd really piss him off. You're not supposed to apologize or go back or bother him. Yeah, leave so the skinwalker alone. It doesn't want attention. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. want people. And it doesn't I, want you posting to Reddit about it. Right. No, attention whore. And I <laughs> as an attention whore, I understand that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. And uh, I also just want to say that, uh, what, Skinwalker Ranch has had cameras on it now for like, let's call right? it 10 years. 20 years, right? yeah. And it's had bands of scientists who've been there for 24-7 monitoring and doing things, right? Yeah. And uh, one of the first band of scientists under Bigelow, so Bigelow the billionaire who bought the ranch because flying saucers, Um Called it NIDS, N-I-D-S, which is right. the dumbest name. Right. Oh, it is. The, the guy from NIDS is here. I already <laughs> don't feel safe. NIDS. Yes, so dumb. Um, I would expect a lot more than 
what we've got, which is TV shows with a bunch of guys walking around with cameras saying, oh, it feels scary. I agree. Did you see that? I did. <laughs> what was that? What yeah. was that? That's me getting camera time is what that is. <laughs> oh, look over there. Ah, Juliet behind you. <laughs> I hear you. It's a mess. Um, okay. So we're, we're in agreement about that. So pseudo apology. Yeah, it's um, a good so five. Do you have a who's sorry now? I do have a who's sorry now. Oh, cool. And what is it, it? it? It's a good one too. Oh um, boy. Yeah. It's all of mine are good ones, but this one I'm really excited to tell you. Uh, and also ashamed. So, um, <laughs> speaking of suspension of disbelief or yes. a desire to willingness believe, willingness believe. Yes, that's sure, grammar, sure. and I speak it. Um, okay, so when we were children in Florida, mm -hmm. we had a little dog whose name was Laddie. I mm -hmm. don't know how we got Laddie. I don't know where Laddie came from, and my mother was not. Uh, she loved animals and she loved the idea of us having pets, but mm -hmm. we weren't great with pets as kids, right? We feed water, but you know, the dog's fun for X amount of time. And then, you know, skateboarding. Yay. So our mother decided in fairness, Laddie needed a new home. And mm -hmm. so she worked as a weekend paramedic with a fire crew, right? Mm -hmm. So um, cool. And she was like, yeah, you know, I'll just take it down to the station and uh, give it to the guys. And it could be the firehouse dog and you kids will be able mm -hmm. to see it every now and then. And like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, that, that seems all right. So that's what happened. Um, except when she came back, she told us about how she was driving Laddie to the fire station and he was really excited to go to his new home. But she found a car broken down on the side of the road and this old couple inside the car and they needed some help. And so our mom was a nurse and there's like this law where if you're a healthcare worker and you pass an accident, right. you have to stop, Right. Um, and see if your help is needed. And so that's something we grew up with. Our mom would, upon occasion, when we passed a wreck where it looked like mm -hmm. people might clearly need help, she mm -hmm. would stop and get out of the car and, and do that. So, all right, cool. So so she stopped to help these people or see if they needed any help, and their car had broken down, and they, they needed to get to a telephone, because pre-cell phone mm -hmm. and all that, right? So she drove... Mm -hmm the guy to a gas station at not far away. And he said, yeah, my wife and I are going to shelter to look for a puppy. We've got a farm and we're going to need a dog. And my mom was uh -huh. like, well, isn't that funny? Because I have a dog in the back seat who seems to uh -huh. like you. And uh -huh. gosh, you have a farm, you say. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> and so oh. Laddie went to a farm oh. in Florida, oh. right? To live with these old people. And we were oh real happy. God. We were real happy yeah. for Laddie, right? Yeah. And so I believe that story until I was 35 years old. Like, I believed it. Okay? <laughs> and people would tell me stories about yes. how, yes. you know, there's this myth about your parents take your animal away from you, but it goes to a farm and it always goes to a shelter. And I would say, yeah, I'm very familiar with that myth, but it actually happened to me. So it my happened mother, to me too, and I believed it until I was at least thirty-five. Yeah, I might. I, might I don't have feel been so bad 40 now. Something. I and, might have been yesterday. <laughs> have been, 
might have been as I'm telling the story. I totally believe I my believe mother. I believe my dog went to a farm. Absolutely. I had no question about it. As a reasoning, functioning adult in the world who drives a car and right. upon occasion has to, I don't know, do adult things. Yeah. Yeah, I get to vote. And yeah. I believe this story. About, I know. Yeah. And one day it occurred to me, and just out of the blue, I even yes. remember where I was in my living room in Long Beach. Um <laughs> And I was just standing there doing something, and I was thinking about Laddie for no reason at all. And it was like, oh, you fucking idiot. (laughs) And I called my sister, right? Yeah. Like that minute, I walked to the phone, and I was like, oh, my God. Do you remember? And do you know? (laughs) And And she said, you're a fucking idiot. Of course. (laughs) I knew then that she was lying. And I was like, I didn't. And this explains why you're so bitter, because you can does, see through people's it? bullshit. And That's I how can't. she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can't believe I believed that all those years. But what are you going to do? Well, uh, you're going to go back to believing that your dog is on a farm still. My dog is still alive and happy running it's around on that farm. Yeah. Chasing, chasing rabbits in a field. Happily. Oh, so my mother owes me an apology. She should have just uh, leveled with me and said, look, I threw it in a bag with some rocks. Oh, this is getting sad. Um, oh, no. Is that no. what you think really happened? What do you think really oh, happened? Oh, Jesus, no. She didn't throw the dog <laughs> in a river with rocks in a bag. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> no. Um, I think one of two things. I think mm-hmm. either uh, she did take it was a cute dog. She did take the dog down to the uh, fire station and one of the guys took it, right? Oh, okay. Maybe that. Or to to the pound. I can't see my mom taking a dog to the pound. Um, I just I just can't see that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to choose one or the two or the other happen, right? But I mean, for sure, uh, she, she wouldn't, I mean, you know, of course she didn't like open the door and let him run out. Right. Away. Into a field. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Your dog not. is happy somewhere. Right. So, yeah. All right. So cool. anyway, there you go. Yeah, that's uh, that's who owes me an apology. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, I have a who's sorry now. Okay. And it's an apology to you, Uh-oh. actually. And it's funny. Um, mm-hmm. You look alarmed. <laughs> Yeah, nobody don't, apologizes to me. Don't so. be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a Tori Amos related apology. Yay! Um, yes, when you lived in Long Beach in that really cool house that I liked um, with Chad, who I didn't like so much. <laughs> but anyway, that's another story. Um, you told me about Tori Amos. I don't remember when it was. But I mean, are you, you were like, did, do you listen to Tori Amos? You know, do you know about Tori Amos? And I was like, yeah, I know about Tori Amos. And I made fun of you for liking Tori Amos. I said, I called her a low rent Kate Bush and I am sorry. <laughs> I was such a bitch. <laughs> Not at all. That? I do remember that. Oh um, my God. Cause I've always looked up to you for your, uh, your musical taste and knowledge. Right. Um, that's sweet. And well, I mean, it's true, right? You worked in a record store. There's that thing like, oh, whatever your first job is out of high school, it usually involves your passion. 
and you worked in a record store. I worked in a bookstore. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, we worked in the same mall, a few stores down from each other. That's right. Yeah. Different but times. You definitely had the coolest job. Um, I don't know. Yours is cool. Yeah, record stores are really cool. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Uh, because, yes, yeah, so I always did. And so I do remember when you were like, oh, no, she's terrible. I don't remember the low-rent Kate Bush, but I've also heard yeah. other other uh, music aficionados make that same comparison oh, really? and come out with the same analysis. It's probably a pretty, a pretty easy comparison to make. But but I apologize because I was wrong. I was wrong. Not only was I oh, a I bitch, but I was wrong. I, of course. I mean, Kate, uh, Kate Bush. Tori Amos is great. And I don't know why I didn't like her then, but I have since come to appreciate her. And, and she's fantastic. And I wish I had seen her or Kate Bush live in concert at any point. So, so you win. You win. Who's sorry now? Yay. <laughs> Yay. Oh, and I like I'm getting apologized sorry. to. This I'm, is nice. Yes, I'm sorry that I did that. It was thoughtless of me. Um, I it probably, I don't know if it did or not, um, because you knew that you were right, but it could have hurt your feelings, and I did not intend to hurt your feelings, no. and I will never be a bitch like that again. So Okay, wonderful. Um, Thank you. I look forward to that. <laughs> when are you going to start? <laughs> Soon. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Let me know when you've started stopping being all a right. bitch. All right. You'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's it for today, is it? That's it for today. We have deflated Skinwalker Ranch. It is yeah, a story bummer. in the making that, uh, yeah, not surprised there's TV cameras there that haven't recorded anything other than a yeah. TV show, right? Yeah. And get ready for the movie to come out. Probably. Probably. Oh, yeah. This is a franchise. It'll happen. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're glad Thank you, everybody. you spent some time with us again this week. Um, next week, we're going to do our awards show, right? Yeah. Thank you. I forgot. We're doing our awards show. Um, yikes. Yeah. And we've got it's awards to give out. That's right. Yeah. It's going to um, be fantastic and I'm fun. I'm excited about that. It's super fun. It sounds like I'm not, but I am. Uh, but I'm more excited about the show after that because then we're doing the Salem Witch Trials and the apology oh my gosh. of a young girl who... Um, Help Apologized. Kill twelve people. So, Eek. Not great. But that was a, a downer. Show. <laughs> and then we'll uh, we'll celebrate Halloween somehow as we however we choose to celebrate Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yay. All right. Yes, that is enough. Thanks that everybody. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>